Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this a closed community of pre verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams, listen up. Van Hack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge? The applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table. Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. (laughs) The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, we've got a Canadian on the show today. I I always love having Canadians. And I have to say, I know the audience can't see you on screen, but the two of you could be brothers or at least you've got the same stylist. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, because they're from Calgary, I don't think we could ever be brothers, but maybe on haircuts, maybe in haircuts, haircuts and kind of glasses. You've got the look. You've got the look. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, I'm way better thing. looking. Just say yeah. that. <laughs> just put it this way. Wherever Serge goes, he gets applause when he walks in the room and women just swoon. Keep saying that, Shelly. I like I that. wish I could say the same. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go too much further, let me introduce our guest today. I am so happy to have you on the show. It's Sean Pulseth, who is the global head of sales with Humanly. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Thank you, Shelly. And you know what? I'm excited to be here. I know I've been tracking down Surge at various events for the past three or four months saying, hey, I'm going to be on there soon. So I'm very excited to be on and, and I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. So for the audience that may not know you, just give us a bit of background of your career and how did you end up in HR tech? Yeah, absolutely. I actually started my career in HR. So born and raised here in Toronto, fellow Canadian, did my graduate in Toronto, HR management, I pursued my designations and actually found myself as a a recruiter in kind of the high volume area specific to inventory management. Mm. So extreme Mm. high volume, extreme turnover, 
There was certainly no AI back then, I will tell you that, or things like automation. We had no idea who was coming in or why they were leaving. It was just try to get butts in seats. So those types of scenarios. So it was very hectic, I would say. And I think it allowed me to understand as I pursued and as I grew in my career in HR tech, how these technologies actually would impact a practitioner on the front end in these specific scenarios. Because shortly after, when I was completely burned out, I ended up moving to the HR tech side. So firstly, I I ended up at a a job that was actually a global media company. And they had a vertical that was specific to HR technology. So doing a lot of kind of podcast events here in Toronto, it was based out of Australia. So we did a lot of kind of advertisements, we worked with a lot of different emerging HR technologies. It was back when the I think the first chatbot was IBM Talent Watson and Success Factors had just been purchased by SAP and Taleo went to Oracle. It was when it was really hot and things were emerging and a lot of things happening. So I did a lot of kind of the advertisement and marketing for some of those. It was a really interesting take from a marketing lens on what was mm-hmm. going on. And working with all of these kind of smaller HR tech companies and helping them grow globally, I really wanted to jump on a team that was investigating how AI would then impact HR and and, and specific to talent acquisition, because that's where I came from. And there was a company called Ideal based out of Toronto. I'm sure practitioners have, have come across them at some point. It was specialized in kind of the the AI screening and matching specific to those kind of high volume scenarios and helped on the sales front, the partnership side which was my first kind of software SaaS type of experience. But it was through the lens of now working with practitioners and working with talent leaders in those environments of high volume and really analyzing and figuring out how AI can have a big impact. It was an awesome experience. We ended up actually being acquired by Ceridian, which was two, three years ago, and then moved to another HR tech startup, Wedge, that did programmatic job advertising, video interviewing, and shortly after moved to Humanly. So that's my newest role. I've been in here just under a year. But what AI meant when I first entered the scene, even from the media front and then moving to ideal is completely different on where AI has now ended up. And when we talk about AI and HR and and talent, so it's super interesting to see that we just raised our Series A in June, and it's in that kind of conversational AI bucket. And yeah, it's been a good run so far. So stayed within kind of the HR tech and specific to AI, but definitely come from an HR background. I think that mm. even and my wife is probably listening to me in the other room. She's in HR as well. And I'm always ranting on about new technologies and stuff. She's like, that would be terrible. I wouldn't want that. Why would, why would you want to automate everything? It's funny to be in this kind of HR world and, and having conversations with practitioners. And I know you have great followers. So let's zero in a bit here on Humanly. What problem does it solve? Yeah, when we first started out and Humanly is really focused on and focused within that kind of conversational AI Mm -hmm. realm was really how can we solve problems in the high volume area specific to hourly blue collar, the types of problems Mm -hmm. deriving from that is how can we create a great candidate experience. A lot of these environments, those candidates are also consumers, they're customers in in some way, shape or form. And that Mm -hmm. can be, I -hmm. think, the reality for a lot of recruiting just generally, but particularly in those kind of blue collar, whether it's restaurant, hospitality, those types of areas and things like drop off, it really speed does matter in those environments. So how can you in creating an engaging experience, but also from a practitioner lens, you're just screening nonstop all day looking for the quality. Okay, let's get them in. Let's now go to scheduling an interview, like all of that takes time. And then I think in this day and age where 
people, if they don't get a job or if they order something on Amazon, it's not in their doorstep in two seconds, they're upset. We're really in the age of, of speed and instant gratification. So how can we support recruiters that don't have as many resources? When things go wrong in the market, it's that scale back on recruiters. It's like, well, how are we going to hire all those people? So it's even more work on their plate. How can we support them in terms of alleviating some of those challenges administratively? So whether that's scheduling interviews, helping them screen, helping them identify who's qualified and who isn't in those areas where it's super high volume. And I think Beyond that and and where we're headed as an organization is also where can AI and where can conversational AI have an impact on even things like professional high volume, how you treat a candidate and what that interaction is on more of the hourly side is going to be very different than let's say a KPMG hiring in their campus. But where is there still some of that administrative and manual work that could still create a a great experience, focus on quality, and still create that kind of efficient approach because it's so competitive out there for good talent. Mm. So could I just ask one clarifying question? And that is when you talk about high volume, are you talking about companies that hire like 5000 people a month? Or or, are you talking about 100 a week? Define high volume. Yeah, really good question. I was having this conversation with some people um, in our network on what is high volume, right? And what is Mm -hmm. that definition? And what does that mean from a company that's in accounting because they still go through high volume. And then what is a high volume from, let's say, a hospitality company like Hilton that's hiring, to your point, thousands of people a week, thousands of people of a month, and that is an ever-revolving door. So I think it depends on the industry. When we talk about high volume and I talk to different talent leaders and HR leaders, they all have different definitions. So when I think of high volume, when let's say we think about restaurants, I think hiring consistently all the time or maybe seasonal. We have to hire about 2,000 or 2,500 in a quarter, we're going to have something that can help them through that automation or, or through AI or, or through conversational AI. But I think with other high volume, when we talk about a big accounting firm like a KPMG, like there's still high volume professional there, but they're probably only hiring maybe seasonally on campus a couple hundred, but they still think of that as high volume. So I don't know if I think of it as a specific definition, but I bet you could probably hone in on each industry of, of how they define that as well, because I've heard all different numbers and different tech companies will also call it different high volume. And there'll be different recruiters that say, I'm in high volume, and it's going to be very different. So okay. not to give you a, a direct answer here, Shelly, because I don't know. <laughs> well, the first thing I think of is the Calgary Stampede. They need to hire <laughs> 2000 people for yeah. 10 days, and then they're done. Yeah, we'll never see you again. That's volume, right? Very specific events, very intense. And how many applicants do you need to fill 2000 roles? Right. So that's the sort of application that humanly works. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, I think context is very important because if you talk to a tech recruiter and he needs to recruit 500 web devs in a year, he's considering that extremely high volume, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to take a step back at a couple of things. So looking at humanly, like we talk a lot about AI, we talk about conversational AI, generative AI, and you're really focused on the conversational side of it. So I'm buying humanly. I'm implementing humanly. I have 500 jobs. I'm hiring in high volume. What happens in the implementation? How is the experience for the recruiters, but also the candidates? Like, how does that flow? Yeah, I was listening to a really good podcast from Hung Lee, which I'm sure we've all 
come across him the, the other week about predictions for next year. And I bring this up because what I found in HR tech and talking to HR leaders and, and practitioners is a lot of people have been through a large implementation of a large HR system, whether it's an HCM system, a large ATS. It takes a lot of resources. People are burned out for going through those giant projects. Yeah. So they're looking for things that can layer in that can enhance some of their offering that they've invested in, whether that brand could be a, a Workday, an SAP, like where are those gaps and how can conversational AI or different types of HR tech vendors fill those in? Because I think people are at a systems fatigue. They may not speak to each other. Like how can we help the practitioner have a better experience using their systems day in and day out? And I think if you approach humanly and have a conversation of, what that looks like in terms of implementation and the experience from a recruiter standpoint and a, and a candidate standpoint, it's really, what are the systems they're using today? How can we layer it in? Where are those gaps in terms of the high volume? Where are we seeing the most candidates? Is there any types of things like interview scheduling back and forth, some of that kind of transactional? And then how can we layer that in? So from a recruiter perspective, once that's implemented, I wake up and there's a list of qualified candidates that have been screened. They've been qualified. They've been now connected to my interview to say, hey, I'm available on Monday. The, the conversational AI bot will let me know what that looks like. On the reverse side, from a practitioner standpoint, you're able to ask questions about maybe some upcoming roles. Maybe it's uh, in, in this day and age, you may want to get to that human as fast as possible. Let's use an example of even something like healthcare. It's not a nine to five, right? People are working weekends, people are working nights. So when I want to engage and, and I want to learn more about a role, maybe it's on the weekend. I can then interact with conversational AI, get my questions answered, get me to the right person at the right time. And then I get reminded that there's an interview on the Monday morning or Monday afternoon with maybe it's Surge, maybe it's Shelly. This is their background. This is the company. And then from a reverse, maybe I was asking a lot about benefits. I've now been told from an interviewer, all this information has been extracted and updated within the ATS. So as a recruiter, I don't have to do that manual work because no one wants to do that two or three times in a row. And then from a candidate perspective, I don't want to be rerouted to an application process that takes 25 minutes. I would rather just interact. Okay, if I seem like a good fit, answer some questions, then move to talking to someone on that Monday afternoon. And I don't have to be rerouted to a long-winded application process, which then I end up dropping off anyway and just going to the next one that was a lot easier and I got a, a conversation out of it. So I think it's different environments and different capacities of how it can impact. But I think when we go in there and have a conversation, we have to see where that volume is. Where are you tracking the most candidates? Where are we seeing those problems back to kind of those problems of drop-off? How is your experience being rated right now? Is that something that you're doing? I think all of those things are important when we analyze the funnel. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of systems? Like where are those gaps? Everything's a little different, but there's also a lot of huge gaps and similarities between some of these big systems too. You talked a lot about conversational AI and obviously the last year AI has become a big topic of conversation yeah. with open AI, chat GPT. And for the audience, it can be a little bit confusing for people that are not in this every day. Could you explain to us how conversational AI works and what is the difference between conversational AI and maybe generative AI like ChatGPT? Yeah, I think conversational AI gets overused now and there's lots of people that use it like myself. I've probably said it four or five times. So I'm glad you're honing in on it. I think when we think about conversational AI, often people get confused about having an actual conversation that they think is a bot. 
as opposed to having a situation where it's just automating some of those processes on the front end. Yeah. There's a piece of conversational AI that is certainly bucketed under automation. So what can we automate the back and forth and within a structured process? And in some of these hiring environments, having a conversation where people can talk about the next prime minister or president is counterintuitive to the goal. You want to find qualified candidates and you want to get them screened and scheduled. As a recruiter, I would want that to be working on my behalf all the time. So I don't have to be doing that manually. And then from a candidate perspective, is this an employer that I want to take a chance in? Do I want to have a conversation with that recruiter? Am I going to get routed to the right person at the right time? Is it quick, easy? And is there a brand that goes through that I get a feeling for, which can still be bucketed under that automation. But I think where we've headed and since the chat GPT revolution is we've seen chatbots emerge from marketing, sales, the drifts of the world, where you can have conversations, ask questions, they can pull information. I think we're chat GPT and where that's going to really have a profound impact on what is now commoditized in the chatbot world, where you've been building everything to something that's now free and you can now build the infrastructure off this, is that if I go to a career site, I can answer questions or ask questions about vacation policies, I can be actually routed to the a specific role based on the skills. Hey, I have five years of experience and I have these skills. What role am I best for? Boom. It will then generatively pull and intuitively pull the right thing and recommend what that should be. That's a generative capability. It's pulling information and generating something based on something that I've now given them. And I think that's where it's headed. You still go across career sites and you get locked out. You, you get yourself in a loop. Where we're headed and where it humanly wants to head is really have that quality interaction. And if that generative capability is necessary in those areas of, I want to have that really good experience, but ask questions and get matched and focus on skills, I think that should be there, particularly in specific hiring events or in, in environments. But there's still going to be that level of automation because sometimes you don't need to have that generative capability to still have a good experience and get candidates through the funnel on those very high volume, Shelly, to your point, 200 people at the Calgary Stampede or 2000 in in one week. Let's just get them in. Do they check off those boxes? And if they do, we don't need to have a generative capability. They know what the Calgary Stampede is. They probably already work there. So how can I just get on there as fast as possible? And do they check the boxes? And if they do, boom, that's not generative at all. That's more of just an automated process to make it easier for whoever that manager is of that event. I love where you say this is going, because that is, for me, certainly the experience that most people seem to expect. Since you bought this product, let me recommend this, right? That's not generative. That's just simple math. 99% of people who bought this would want to buy that. So it's that intelligence to say, based on what you just said, statistically speaking, these sorts of things would also be of interest to you. When we talk about conversational AI and using plain language, my language, not yours, right? Because this is where all the big applicant processes fall apart is You expect me to know that you call this role business development, but I would call it an account manager. At any rate, I think that's the failure of all applicant tracking systems is forcing someone to figure out what you call it. So are you saying that this is where humanly is at? Is that kind of what it's doing is helping the job seeker better refine whether or not this company would have a role that would fit their skills? 
Absolutely. And that's where it's headed. And I hope that's where other chatbot interactions, even in HR and TA are headed. At the end of the day, if I say I'm in sales, it should know enough to then pull up things like business development, customer success. If this is a big company, there are so many different departments that could be related to. And at the end of the day, you want to match them and give them all of those options. If I say a five years of sales experience, that could pertain to your point to a multitude of different areas. So we have to make sure that we're routing them to the right thing. And the second that experience is not there, that's a bad taste in their mouth and they've moved on because it's confusing. Uh, I'm not getting what I want within five seconds. So I'm going to move on to something that can now do that intuitively. And I think that's where we're headed. Even the, the demographics and the populations of candidates that are coming in, they expect that. That's an expectation because they see it everywhere. And the most frustrating thing with candidate experience is because HR and unfortunately TA are usually behind the eight ball when it comes to innovation is that when candidates go through these motions and it doesn't have that type of intuitive process, they're like, oh my God, I was just on Amazon. I bought three things within five seconds. My Uber's outside. I just asked for it. That's the expectation that we've built. But the expectation is now there in all facets of the world. And unfortunately, HR and TA are just catching up. And I think that's really where we can harness this generative AI, these these different technologies that have been commoditized to create those best experiences because people expect it. So if we look at what's going on with AI and the type of conversations, there is a lot of recruiters probably listening that are scared. They're, yeah. they're scared that yeah. the jobs are going to change. And spoiler alert, we're doing a prediction show. I think it's going to come out after this episode. But one of the things that I predict is we're going to see one large organization have a completely recruiterless recruitment department. Not saying people are going to disappear, but the role of a recruiter is going to be way more focused as an account manager than a recruiter, just managing the hiring manager process and the candidate process, just making sure everything flows with leveraging automation and AI in some ways. But when we talk about AI, it makes a lot of people nervous that they're going to lose their job. There's also the aspect of ethical AI or bias in AI. So what's your thoughts around recruitment departments and how technologies like Humanly could potentially change how their job looks like today? Yeah, really good question. I get this a lot, like having Mm -hmm. conversations with leaders and organizations talking about headcount planning, where this is going to have an impact. I think at the end of the day, and me being from a recruiter and then moving to sales, we have the same conversations about where automation can impact and then potentially replace people on the sales side. And I Mm -hmm. think there will always be a human element that's needed on both sides. And in specific high volume areas, that human connection is going to be imperative because there will always be a level of automation that's going to be necessary for different industries and different levels when it comes to hiring. But there will always be a human connection that's needed. Let's think about like healthcare hiring or even retail hiring. I want to know who my manager is that I'm going to be hanging out with for 12 hours of a day. There will always be an element of human interaction that's needed in recruitment. So when you think about conversational AI, generative AI, I think it's like any other industry. It's where they can empower those humans to be a little more efficient and really understanding where AI today. So going out there and using chat GPT and understanding where can I do my job more effectively using some of this technology? So it's like a learning and development. Yes, it's scary. Even my job and even other jobs coming from recruiter, it's frightening because it's moving so fast. I don't even know what level we're at for chat GPT four or five now. But in most cases, 
that human interaction will be there. If we can start learning and, and upskilling, more importantly, how we can leverage these technologies, you're still going to be seen as a valuable asset to your company as a recruiter. So this will be now, I bet you when we see in resumes, it's going to be how can you harness chat GPT or how do you use BARD to help write job descriptions or move people through the funnel or automate some of the phones and screening? Have you used some type of this automation? That I bet will be part of resumes that will be seen. And I think if we get on top of it as the recruitment world or sales world or any of those types of worlds where we can now say that we can confidently use it, I think it's going to empower us to be more effective. But absolutely, I, I understand that the other side of that is it's scary, it's moving fast, and I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know where ChatGPT is going to end up. I don't have a crystal ball, but certainly I think leveling up and getting the skills in those areas is going to be helpful. I'm curious, as you're going through the sales process and dealing with leaders and sometimes recruiters, I'm sure, yeah. do they bring this up? Because if you look at what you do, there is elements that replace mm-hmm. portions of their jobs. Uh, yeah. I think positively. I think it's great because no one likes scheduling interviews. But do recruiters or leaders bring that up? Is there a, a sense of concern when you're talking about what the capabilities of something like Humanly does? Yeah. When I talk to certain leaders and and TA leaders, there's, for instance, we have an advisor in kind of the healthcare hiring world. His thing is that human and connection is always needed. It's what we can use this technology for to empower, not replace humans, because he really values his team. I I also think that there's internal pressures from the business to focus on headcount planning and do more with less, that ethos. So how can we do that in every facet of the business? We see it in banks, you see it everywhere. And I think it's the same in recruitment. So how can I schedule more interviews without actually having to do anything, for instance? Yeah, it comes up quite a bit. The headcount planning, the impact it will have if we automate all of these schedules. But I think to your point, I still think it's about empowering who they have today. Maybe they don't have to hire as many in the next quarter to have the same amount of growth, for instance but they will still need those humans on the front end to help. And maybe there's things where we can reskill and repurpose. And this is another area of AI and HR and TA is that understanding people's skills. If I'm a recruiter, there's a lot of great communication, leadership skills, working mm. under pressure, things that you can't learn just right off the, the cusp of coming out of school, which are really valuable in different areas of HR and other areas of the business. So I think that's another thing I have conversations about is where can we use those skills? And if it's displacing some of what I do every day, but now I can take 50% and put it somewhere else to help with another team. But the organization has to know about their skills, have to know about the potential of those kind of internal mobility. So reorganizing and restructuring different teams is I think is where good leaders should go because there's great talent there in the recruitment world. And it's how can they use them? Even if we automate some things like the interview scheduling, which no one likes to do anyway, is that where else can they be effective? And maybe it's just different areas of the recruitment. Maybe it's sourcing. So it's about effectively understanding your workforce. Our friend James Ellis says that 95% of the recruitment function can be replaced by automation or AI. And the ones that will do really well are the ones that focus on that 5% and really kill it. Further to your point, I think recruitment departments are going to change and reskilling is absolutely critical We're going to see data analysts. We're going to see in recruitment. We're going to see even, I hate the word prompt engineer, but we're going to see very similar roles to that that are in the recruitment department. 
But also with any technology, in my opinion, I think there needs to be manual intervention or at least manual eyes that are looking to make sure that everything is functioning as it should. And that's going to be a role that I think is that account manager, that recruiter. But I completely agree with you. I think it makes everyone nervous in every industry because we are at the phase that AI will change the roles we do. And it's the reality. Yeah. It's interesting when generative AI came out and when the AI revolution first was launched and everyone was scared of like robots and how this was going to impact more on the blue collar side and replace some roles there. And now that generative AI is how can there's more on the knowledge worker side of like, mm-hmm. how is it going to replace and impact that piece? So people started freaking out about that. So it's every facet. It's amazing because no one knows and no one would have predicted that this was going to happen maybe two years ago. Like we just got out of a pandemic. And hiring looked different out of that in specific industries. It was wild. And what it looks like today is even more different. So it's really tough to predict the future. But I think, to your point, getting ahead of it and being more of, I've heard this before, being a data analyst, and maybe that's where we're all going to end up anyway of understanding data, is what can we do now to upskill ourselves? And what are organizations and leaders doing to understanding our workforce right now and where people can head and being on on top of that? But it's, it's obviously tough to do. Mm-hmm. That brings us really full circle to what you were saying earlier is that you need a good inventory of what you have <laughs> presently. Because I hear the conversation at least once or twice during the week about headcount planning. So I think it's safe to say, though, that yep. roles in as short as maybe even a few years ago, your recruitment team ratio would be like three recruiters and one recruitment coordinator. Now, if you're a recruitment coordinator, right. it's time to upskill <laughs> because there yes. is tools and yes. automation that will replace so much of what you're doing. Oh my gosh. It's knowing where and what part of the process it makes the most sense for sure. Also, you were talking about predictions and crystal balls. I know none of us know, but it, this is the fun part of the show. Based on everything we've seen in these last few years, Anything that you are willing to go out on a limb there and predict for the recruitment space in 2024? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier as I was listening to the predictions of 2024 starting to come out. And I think this is the episode right before. But (laughs) talking to talent leaders and HR leaders, it seems to be very apparent that people are moving away from more platforms. I think we're heading to an area of how can we optimize with what we have today? So there's going to be less of a focus of what other platforms can we layer in here? Because when people come in there and they analyze what's going on, it's a burden. They don't speak to each other. I think this whole thing is around data and how clean the data is, understanding your funnels as a recruiter, how many candidates you're getting from different sources, or is it programmatic? Is it wherever? Mm-hmm. Like, understanding the data. And if you can't do that, because there's too many platforms, it bogs down the system. And I think it creates a bad experience for everyone. So I think Mm -hmm. people are going to be moving away with purchasing less platforms per se. And maybe that will change just based on the market, but more of consolidation, more of how I can do more with this platform that I have today. Are there gaps? And if there are gaps, how can I fill those with things that are streamlined? How can I understand skills better? And is that layered into it? So I think it's, understanding their tech stacks and really analyzing and seeing what those gaps are. And at the end of the day, understanding their data, 
what's missing, and let's see if we can fill in those gaps. So it's not the best prediction, but it's just based on some of the conversations I've had as of late. No, I love it. I haven't heard that one. So I'm glad to hear that because I'm going to be selling off my Workday UKG Oracle Recruiting Cloud, <laughs> every ATS uh, stock right after this. But uh, <laughs> Sean, thank you so much for coming on. A really good insights. And I think it's an interesting conversation of the evolution of AI and conversational AI and automation. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of Sean? Yeah, very active on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me. I'd love to chat with other fellow practitioners, obviously worked in, in the space on the tech side, the practitioner side. I try to be as active as possible on there. I'm happy to make recommendations or introductions if you see me and see who I'm connected with. So yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, also through humanly.io. And yeah, I really appreciate Serge and Shelly. It's been great. No, thank you. Humanly. IO, correct? Can't get the yes. .com? What's going on? Yeah, we were late <laughs> to the game on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Really appreciate it, Sean. Thank yeah. you so much, Sean. Wonderful to see you again. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today but your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rec txt.com mention the recruitment flex and get 10% off annual plans hi my name is sara and i want to tell you about my podcast called can i offer you some feedback i'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management leadership development and naturally providing feedback to high performers my podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback whether giving receiving avoiding or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.